This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are we going? I'm doing very well, thanks. Before we get started, just a reminder that uh, the listener survey, Equity Mates listener survey, survey is on at the moment. You can find a link in the show notes of this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, on iTunes or Spotify. Find the link there, fill out the survey. It only takes about 10 minutes or so and you'll uh, go into the draw to win $500 cash, which is not a bad deal. Actually, while you're there, do us a favor, uh, leave a review of the podcast. That'd be nice. Leave a review on iTunes or on... Can you leave reviews on Spotify? I don't know. I don't, I don't use it. Do you use Spotify? I listen, no, I don't think you can. I haven't seen that feature. Ah, this, this plug went horribly wrong. Um <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it on iTunes. Go and log into iTunes. Even if you're listening on Spotify, go over to iTunes and, and yeah, leave a review. But it, it actually really, it actually helps us. Yeah, but don't mention, so. mention the professionalism. <laughs> uh, no, it actually helps us. Um, we don't we we don't have a Patreon page or anything like that where you can donate money to us. So so next best thing, leave us a review. All right, that's probably enough about begging for reviews. Thomas, we. Um, I feel like we're starting the show like this every week, which is great because it means that we're getting lots of listener emails coming through. We had another couple of listener emails that I'd like to start the show with mm. this week. Of course, we need a name for this segment, by the way. Oh. It's got to be like Adam tries and then Thomas answers or something. <laughs> <laughs> but a much, a much catchier name. So taking suggestions, by mm. the way, if you want to email us your suggestions for the, for the uh, Adam tries to answer questions segment, um, Comedian, what is it? CVE at equitymates.com. You can get us an email or head over to the contact page, equitymates.com forward slash CVE. Or you can email us suggestions for the, for the segment title or anything else that you'd like us to cover on the show. So before we get started today, uh, and we're going to be talking NFTs today, which I'm really excited about. If you don't know what NFTs are, you've never heard of them, stay tuned. You're in for a treat. But Thomas, we've had a couple of emails. One was from Sam. Sam enjoys listening to the show on his three-hour commute, Whoa. if you don't mind. Wow. Yeah. Hour and a half each direction. Um, he's actually got kind of an interesting story. He's, we, we pinged him back and he, he shared a bit more with us. So he moved back to Australia after him and his, his partner were living in London. Uh, then COVID hit and they had to move quite quickly back to Australia and they were kind of umming and ahhing on whether to to come back or not he said he made the decision to come back to australia the same day his local council made an order to commandeer the local primary school as a makeshift morgue so 
like some sort of scene from Shaun of the Dead <laughs> or something. I think that's when he went, you know what? I think now that the primary school's a morgue, reckon I might, reckon I might make tracks. Yeah. Thanks. It's a good indicator. <laughs> Thanks, <that> Governor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> picked up a Cockney accent while he was there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, geezer, I'm off. <laughs> Oh, it's a classic indicator. We watched that one closely in economics. Yeah. A good indicator of gold prices, actually. Highly correlated. <laughs> Are the schools being turned into morgues? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't make light. We shouldn't make jokes. That's some serious, some serious stuff. But, yeah, like that's kind of just the crazy world that 2020 was, mm. was things that you would never, ever think you would see just happening in your local town or your village or wherever you were, things like schools getting turned into morgues, makeshift morgues, no less. Um, anyway, he got back to Melbourne and he decided, as as a lot of people did, that he thought, you know what, why don't we kind of head a little bit rural? He was working from home five days a week. He was lucky enough to get his, to get a job when he got back. So he was working from home. He, th- he thought, why don't we move a bit regional? So he went out about an hour and a half out of Melbourne but now he's being dragged into the office two days a week oh. plus some other sort of ad hoc stuff. He's having to commute. So based on this extensive data that I've compiled here, Thomas, I want to know, is this a reversal that we're seeing here oh, of yeah. the trend of moving away and people working from home? Is it a move back to the city? Yeah, is the, is the tide going out again? Yeah, mm. it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, it's, it's been one of the dominant trends of 2020 is this, this regional story particularly for regional property markets, like, yeah, they've really benefited from this, this exodus. Well, I mean, when you see it in the data, like it's the, we had the biggest outflows from the capital cities in the December quarter ever. So mm. it's, yeah, huge, huge flows out of the, out of the big cities uh, into, into the regional areas. We've seen a lot of, yeah, the economic activity, the credit card spending in the regional areas has gone through the roof. So it's, yeah, boom times for the regions. But yeah, is it, is it going to last? It's a... It's a good question. I mean, it's interesting with the like work from home. There's I've seen I've seen two I saw two studies. One study said that eighty percent of employees were very happy with work from home. They really liked mm. it. It was good for their lifestyle. They were wanted it to continue. I saw a second survey which said that eighty percent of employers weren't that happy with work from home. <laughs> <laughs> and wanted it. Were looking forward to right. having everyone back in the office. I wonder what kind of correlation we could draw between the employers and the employees in that percentage graph to see whether they were exactly the same employers and employees. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it is. It is. It is interesting. I mean, like for for a decade, once once the, once the digital revolution launched, we're expecting mm. this sort of whole work from home, you know, story to to escalate and be one of the defining trends, and it just never launched. We never really saw it. We saw some people like like myself digital nomads in a way like people who were doing freelance work able to sort of detach from the cities and head out into the regions but it we didn't see it people working full-time employment that that wasn't a phenomenon and people were waiting for it to happen and it just never happened and i think the idea was that for from an employer's perspective that they liked that corporate culture they wanted people you know mixing and interfacing and actually showing up and doing work (laughs) (laughs) they enjoyed the the employers enjoyed the productivity of office work (laughs) yeah Yeah. i I get it i mean i so i went full-time working from home and 
Man, I mean, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Like, it's kind of, it's you kind of disconnect as well. Like, there were times I'd go like three weeks without leaving my suburb, you know, because I had no mm. reason to. I, you know, we'd have, I'd work from home. I'd be in the same house all all day, all night. I might go down the beach, which is around the corner um, from where I live. I've got surf life saving down the road. The kids' schools down the road. Like, I had no sort of nothing dragging me away into to meeting. <laughs> other people from different areas and when i say areas i mean suburbs like i'm not talking you know different cultural backgrounds <laughs> so yeah i think you can it can be quite disconnecting and i've enjoyed going back into the office a bit bit more now and mm. i reckon it's just going to be about finding a balance mm. um i mean yeah i mean i i engineered an office for myself like i was working from home for many years and mm. then yeah it's got a bit lonely and a bit bored so set up a co-working space where I am and have a few people to hang out with and work with and yeah it's it's a, it's a more yeah. enjoyable thing but i think i think i think i think i think engineered is probably overselling it to be honest you you rented a a space yeah, well, yeah. tomatoes tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> can i rent this room yes all right i've engineered an office <laughs> i'm an engineer <laughs> nope <laughs> But I think I think what we're probably going to see is is this hybrid story that that Sam's been caught up in, where where it's yeah the, the work from remote working is going to going to stick around and be a thing, but it's mm. they're still going to be, need some FaceTime in the office. Yeah, and is it- yeah, because what's not happening? What's not happening that I've noticed? And again, very limited sample size. Employers locally within where I live in Adelaide or in Sydney or Melbourne or whatever. They haven't gone, wow, now that everyone's working from home, we can hire people from anywhere. Mm. We can just have this whole global market of people to do the jobs. They're still, again, very small sample sizes I'm dealing with here and it could be completely misinformed as well. We should always remember that. But I haven't I haven't heard, at least, of companies hiring a lot of, of overseas work to do these jobs. They're still hiring local people. They're still hiring people from the same city that the company is in, that the head office is based in. And even though they might be working five days a week working from home, they like the fact that they're still in the same city and they can still drive into the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting point. I mean, you gotta you got to wonder how long that, yeah, like how long that lasts. Like maybe at some point they realize like, oh, actually I can get someone, if they're not in the office, I can get someone from anywhere to be doing this job. And it was always mm-hmm. the argument against the sort of like the digital outsourcing people talking about it being going to be a great thing and it's like well you're going to see a sort of this equalization of wage levels like i've got a few mates who are graphic designers who sort of went Mm. digital and it was sort of great for a while in the early days but then once then they found themselves competing with graphic designers from all over the world and from low low wage countries where you know found it very hard to compete dollar for dollar with were they were they freelance graphic designers though or were they working for a company were they employed by a company in the area they went freelance again i mean i'm talking a limited sample here but they they went freelance early in the digital revolution and we're, li- right. we're living in an i think once they're they're competitive they were able to get a, a decent income because they had a competitive advantage of a good internet connection and mm. being able to and good customer relations so they could talk to their clients and and this sort of thing right. but th- those advantages have been eroded over the years Hmm. The other the other interesting point I heard the other day was that a lot of people who are making this tree change, uh, I think as Sam called it, could find themselves a bit stuck because mm. it's not just the regional areas where the house prices are going up. 
it's in the cities as well. Sydney mm. and Sydney and Melbourne are booming. Yep, the house prices well. are going up like I don't know what three or four percent or something a month, which is more like more like two. But yeah, it's it's yeah. well. Let's call let's round it up to five. All right, let's, sure. We'll call it ten. <laughs> call it ten percent. They've gone up. You've heard it here first. <laughs> Um, but no, it's the big, biggest increase in 17 years in Sydney in February, in the month of February. Yeah, it's, it's, they're off to the races. And so, so the risk then is that if you make this, this change out to the regional areas, that maybe you get priced out of the, the city markets, or the, central, mm. the central markets when you try to come back. Is that a, a risk? Yeah, I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be. I mean, it's going to be. I think, you know, Sam's probably testing his, his threshold for how far out he wants to be, like an hour and a half commute each way. That's pretty decent. Yeah, mm. that's that's hefty. I mean, in Sydney, there's a lot of people doing that on a daily basis and still living within this greater S- Sydney area. But yeah, but I think you know, I could imagine there's people who've moved five, six hours from the CBD, and if they're getting called back to work when they're they're, they're stuck, what do they do? Like fly back? Like yeah, yeah, and then yeah, are you able to move back if you if you've sold up to move out? It's it's tricky to move back if the market has has moved in the time you've been away. I guess the only saving grace is that you've got outstanding podcast content such as Comedian versus Economist to listen to on your commute. So people who are commuting these days are just just spoiled by <laughs> just qual- one. Qual- <laughs> one quality bit of banter after another. <laughs> so I couldn't keep a straight face when I said it. Just listening to the um, whole back catalogue on the 12-hour drive down to- On repeat. <laughs> on people repeat. don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> you remember when you'd go to the CD shop and you'd buy your favourite CD and you'd just play it like over and over and over because you thought it was... I wonder if... I don't think anyone's doing that with podcasts somehow. It's just the same, same six podcasts on repeat <laughs> in the car. Comedian versus Economist greatest hits from 2020. Remember that time Thomas talked about bond yields? Oh, I, I saw him live once. <laughs> I'm going to get trotted out for a reunion tour in 2080. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so that's Sam. So um, thanks heaps, Sam, for writing in. Of course, yeah, really love getting... Um, hearing from listeners so we've had people writing in from all over the country and it's really fascinating to um to get some of that perspective so i really enjoy it we had another and i said well this happened before we had like two listener questions in the same week from people with the same name it's happened again mm. um another sam a different sam who writes in saying uh love the show thank you sam he's just wondering about NFTs and he's trying to wrap his head around NFTs and wondering if we'd be willing to give him a lowdown. Well, good luck. Good, uh, you're in luck. <laughs> Sam, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that. Freudian slip. <laughs> you're in some sort of luck, Sam, because we have poorly researched it. <laughs> we feel like we have got a rough idea of what they are and what they're about. Um, people are paying extraordinarily large sums of money for things that seemingly are not worth a cent. But we're going to tell you all about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, right after this break. 
Hi, I'm DeLon Grant. And I'm Francesca Ramsey, and together we host the podcast, Let Me Fix It. Each week, we explore something from the past, and then we pitch how to fix it for today. But forget about the past. Let's talk about the new show of the moment. DeLon, did you get a chance to watch the new Queenie trailer I sent you? How dare you send me this amazing <laughs> show that took me back to every messy breakup I've ever had. Thank God I had you through my 20s. Now, you could not pay me to go back and relive those days, but thankfully, we will be living as Queenie navigates her messy 20s. The new series Queenie is now streaming on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to Comedian versus Economist. Adam, we're talking non-fungible tokens. Uh, and just as we had in the start, we had the episode, a little segment, Adam has a crack at economic concepts. <laughs> then we're going to introduce a new segment called Thomas has a crack at technical concepts. You know, mm. you're, you're the IT guy, so I, I think the NFT, this is in your wheelhouse. Mm. Uh, so, but I don't know anything about NFT or the, the technical details. So I thought I could have a crack and then you can correct me if I'm wrong. Hmm. Which is also we should we should also call this segment Thomas has a crack at hosting a podcast because this is the first time you're kind of playing the role of host. Yeah, that's so true. far six out of ten. Carry on. Jeez, oh, jeez, high bar. Okay. Uh, all right. So non non fungible tokens. Uh, yeah. So it's art. I'm I'm gathering or anything that can be construed as art. Which well, that's a pretty low bar to set, but. Yeah, so art that's digitized, or it has to be digitized, I'm guessing. Um, You're answering a lot of your own questions so far. You're kind of uh, <laughs> not so much hosting as much as thinking out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not hosting. This is me having a crack at the technical concept. <laughs> this, is, this is Thomas's musings. <laughs> well, no, no, I didn't think you... I thought I would be the host and the interviewee. Right. And then, gotcha. <laughs> So this, in case you weren't listening before the break, this all came from Sam. Sam was talking about um, wanting to understand and try and wrap his head around NFTs because NFTs have been in the news a lot lately. Mm. Um, and as you correctly point out, NFT stands for non-fungible token. Fungible, I believe, is an economic term, isn't it? It, it is. It is. And this is why I'm one of the. I'm hoping you'll clear this up for me. We mm. t- like we talk about like iron ore being fungible right. in the sense of one bundle of iron ore is very much like another and you can't really you know it's all it's all the same yeah so i'm curious to to know how fungible works in the context of of this mm. but let, let me just finish this great so we got this right so uh, it's art that has been digitized that can then be stored on a blockchain ledger and have smart contracts attached to it so like if it's re, if it's resold it gets a certain portion of the sales is that's my basic understanding so it's combining the financial illiteracy of crypto <laughs> with <laughs> the self-indulgent pretentiousness of art and bundling it together and, and, and hey presto it. nfts yeah. nfts <laughs> <laughs> 
Do I detect that you are equally excited about <laughs> NFTs as you are about <laughs> cryptocurrency? <laughs> Thomas, well-known, well-known skeptic of cryptocurrency, as we record on the fifteenth of March, uh, two thousand and twenty-one, where I think blockchain has just hit its new all-time. I'm uh, sorry, Bitcoin's just hit its new all-time high, <laughs> seventy odd thousand dollars or something. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, look, I'm going to buy some NFTs. You do what you want. Um, and we'll see where we all end up. But no, you, you've, you've, you had a lot of words there and some of them were quite were close to right. But if I can break it down a little bit. So NFTs, you're right, a non-fungible token. So in this sense, non-fungible basically means that they are just a unique token. So in the same way as your uh, Bitcoin wallet address is unique, um, the, each Bitcoin is unique. These tokens are globally unique. They are perpetually unique. They are stored on, and this is a really important point, they are stored on a blockchain. They are not stored on the blockchain. There is no blockchain where things are stored. There are many different blockchains. We've got many different coins. As people would know, you've got you've got Bitcoin, you've got Ethereum, you've got Ripple, you've got Stellar, you've got whatever it is. Lots of different coins, not necessarily all running on their own blockchain. It, it should be should be noted as well, um, but there is no the blockchain in this sense. So, so a lot of NFTs are stored on the Ethereum network, and they make use of Ethereum's, as you correctly pointed out, Ethereum's smart contract capabilities. And so, those smart contracts mean that things can be built into the contract itself in terms of how many times it can change hands or, or, or what kind of percentage what what the cut is of the percentage when that when that token does change hands if it's sold then you know it might be five percent goes to the owner ten percent goes to some broker maybe the the auction house that sold the nft for some ludicrous amount of money so in this sense the non-fungible token is just that it's a it's a token or a smart contract which is stored on a blockchain and is then sold now you mentioned art and art comes into it because pieces of art, digital pieces of art, whether that's an image, whether it's a video, whether it's some music, uh, whether it's, um, I don't know, insert other digital piece of artwork here, is then, I want to use the word attached to the token, but at the same time, I don't really want to use the word attached because and I'd love for our listeners to correct me if I'm wrong here because I've done a lot of reading about this. I'm kind of fascinated by these NFTs. And my understanding is that the artwork itself is not stored on the blockchain. It's not stored, it's not decentralized like the blockchain ledger that we've come to know and love. The artwork itself is stored on a separate server. Now, this is really interesting. Really? Yeah, I this is really interesting. That. So the, the NFT actually just acts as a certificate of authenticity kind of thing. So if you buy the Mona Lisa. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you buy the Mona Lisa and you get the art, you get the, the picture of, of the woman to hang on your wall and then along with it, you'll get something that says, this is Ridgy Didge Mona Lisa. Well, obviously not in those words. It would be Ridgy Didge <laughs> or something. <laughs> But something to that effect that says you are the owner of the Mona Lisa. This is the original Mona Lisa and you are the owner. And that's the bit that people are now buying. So, oh, um, well, kid, no, this can't be right. 
surely it's not the the ownership contract yep. is is the token yeah not that not the artwork it's not in, it's not embedded the artwork is not embedded in the token no it's not and the token is not embedded in the artwork oh my god it's because ridiculous. if it was if it was it would cease being fungible right so if you think about a file on your computer you can't copy that file from one place to another um, without duplicating its contents so you can't copy the file and then be like i mean unless you design some new file transfer platform you can't move that file from one place to another and not take with it or create a copy of the token in which case the token then is kind of funged (laughs) (laughs) so that's my understanding and again not an expert but that's my my belief is that it's just the token and the metadata of the artwork that is stored in the blockchain, in this case, in, well, in a lot of cases, it's Ethereum. But there's a company called Dapper Labs who just quietly, pretty keen on in the investment space, because um, they've 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 they're probably the biggest player, um, and they're making they've got into the NBA trading card market. So mm-hmm. trading cards in the, in the US, massive, obviously, still massive. Um, they're really creating the first kind of digital trading card. So they're taking like little snippets of footage of like NBA players dunking or whatever they're doing and they're then selling NFTs for those digital videos and effectively creating kind of digital trading cards. But they're interesting because they're using Flow blockchain, which is not, it's probably Ethereum-based, but it's not like the Ethereum network as, I don't know, I I should, Mm -hmm. I should, probably look look into that one a bit more but so so this this doesn't help piracy at all no not at all not at all so so the, the big the story in the news this week the big one was this was beeple and his the first five thousand days painting it sold at auction at christie's auction for 70 million dollars 70 million right <laughs> Matt, this wow, is the bit man. that fries my brain 70 million dollars and there is literally nothing, nothing at all, stopping you from getting a copy of that file exactly as it is, exactly as that person has it, whoever bought it, exactly as they have it, you can have that file too. And then you can print it, you can do what you want, put it on your digital photo frame. <laughs> That's what I want to know what is. Create what a digital museum. I mean, a gallery. I don't know. Second Life, uh, yeah, is that yeah. still around? <laughs> <laughs> that's what i wanted to know though so what, what you pay 70 million dollars for a digital artwork do you have it like projected on a wall in your mansion or something is that sure that yeah, i would <laughs> you, <laughs> <laughs> you want to do something with it no but it, you just ah, own it you just own yes. the thing and so then so the the creator beeple so whenever whoever bought it when they sell it he'll get 10% I think it is of the of this which is really great for artists right so they're saying it's a really positive thing for artists because each time an NFT is sold the artist gets a cut which is kind of what's not been happening lately which is music has been pirated and shared and whatever and no one everyone's missing out so but I do but the, this is the big sticking point for me it's, it's not the actual artwork which is Makes sense because I don't think I don't think 
the Ethereum network or any any blockchain for that matter was ever designed to host like large chunks of data. Because like whatever what what what's Beeple's image? It's probably like I don't know. Let's say it's a hundred meg or something. The blockchain's not because like, you think about the decentralized uh. blockchain. It's got to replicate that data all around to every node all around the world. Yeah, right, it's not right. designed for storing um, gigabytes of files. It could distribute p- parts of that file, a la kind of BitTorrent. But then you run into issues. What if one part of the file goes missing? The guy who hosts people's <laughs> top left corner <laughs> <laughs> shuts down his server. And, you know, if anyone's ever used BitTorrent, you get to like 95% complete and you realize that there's a chunk about two-thirds of the way through that's missing and it renders the whole thing unwatchable. <laughs> that, that's my understanding. I've, I've searched high and low. And I don't believe that the, the actual content itself is stored anywhere on the blockchain. It's only the metadata about the file. It's really a proof of ownership, which, to your point about the bubble, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute bubble. Oh, okay. oh, I think there's going to be legitimate uses come out of it. I'm not convinced that forking over $70 million for the first image. <laughs> and it's not the first. It's, it's one of many. There's, there's lots of these sales going on. I like the trading card idea. And I think if that takes off and kids start, kids start using... But is, is, it, is it legally enforceable? So, like, so he's, he's basically got a statement of ownership. He's paid $70 million and in return they receive... A USB stick with the Beeple's. <laughs> I just imagine Christie's going, well, how are we going to give it to him? Oh, I don't know. Has anyone got a USB stick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I got one. Here's a, I've got one. It's, it's got a KFC logo on it. Does that matter? <laughs> it's, a novel, it's a promotional USB I got at a conference. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so, but so, so he gets that. Yeah. So, he gets a USB stick with the with the file for the artwork and a, like a, a key, a token. Yeah. That is what like it has the the ownership details on it. Like what's yeah, on what's basically. in the what? it has metadata about the image. So you know, I don't know the, the color pattern, the um, file size, the probably the MD five hash or something. But it's kind of it's kind of a moot point anyway because anyone can just copy the file. It's not the only version of the file. Like the creator presumably didn't delete it. Like if you make something yeah. in Photoshop, right? You've got yeah. the Photoshop file. Like what's the extension? PSD or something? Mm. You've got a Photoshop file, and then you go, oh, I want to post this onto Facebook because what I've made is amazing. So mm. I'm going to export it. And you might save it as a JPEG or a GIF mm. or something like that. Mm. You make this artwork. Like what's the original there? Is the Photoshop file the original? Is it the JPEG that you made and then posted? Is it mm. the next JPEG that you made and then posted? Is it when you did right-click, save as? <laughs> Beeple, first 5,000 days. <laughs> underscore v2 final. V2.0 <laughs> underscore backup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, Aaron's having trouble wrapping his head around it and I don't blame him. But, yeah, so that that's the best analogy I can come up with is it's a digital certificate of authenticity and yeah. a digital certificate of ownership that says you are the true, the one true owner of the artwork. 
But people are saying stupid. Like Jack Dorsey, the, the founder of Twitter and, and like multi-gazillionaire now, sold his first tweet for some huge sum of money as well. So mm. how does it, how do you sell a tweet? Maybe you could maybe you could embed a tweet in the blockchain. I don't know. I don't. I just don't think it's designed. The blockchain is not designed for storing that. Yeah, that no, size. That, that makes sense. And was it a screenshot of the tweet? Was it a? I mean, you can literally Google that, right? Like, what was Jack's first tweet? Yeah, like, it's what probably you... still there. But you own it. You don't own it, Thomas. That's the thing. That's the difference. I feel like this is a bit like how you can buy ownership right, like the naming rights to stars. Yeah, it's a probably. Yeah, I think that's a, that's probably that's probably fair. Because you know, like you you can like there's somebody that yeah it says like yeah that star up there that's yours and you you've got naming rights on it because there's like just a gazillion stars and we can just. <laughs> Dish them sure. out or whatever. We're going to um, get invaded sometime by aliens. <laughs> There's going to be a dispute over star <laughs> ownership. <laughs> we'll be explaining life on Earth to aliens and we're like, well, this is, this is our house and this is where we live and this is where the kids go to school. Oh, look up there. There's my star. And aliens is going to be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's my star. Because <laughs> it's fungible, maybe. So. <laughs> Yeah, like our planet's around. Like, no, well, I've got a name, naming rights on it. So, so I don't know. That, that's, the, that's my best effort at explaining NFTs. As I say, happy to be corrected. Um, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or equitymates.com forward slash cve. I think the best one I've seen so far was, uh, you know, Banksy, the artist mm. Banksy. Yeah. So, Banksy's gone some next level NFT. <laughs> <laughs> So Banksy had, um, and this is the same guy that shredded one of his famous artworks. Like he sold Mm. it at auction and then shredded it immediately. So he's no stranger to kind of destroying the artwork. Well, after after he sold it. Yeah, he sold it at auction and then someone came out wearing a hood and shredded. I think it was a girl holding a balloon. Oh, yeah. It was some kind of statement about, um, presumably he must have bought it himself and then shredded it. Just as like a, I don't know, some mm. commentary on on the frailty of life or something, or how the the value of things. Who mm. knows why he did it? Anyway, mm. he's back. Banksy's back. Um, Banksy's back. <laughs> All right, Banksy's back, and he live streamed a video of him burning an image that he made of an auction. <laughs> So he created a picture of an auction. He's printed it. That's mm-hmm. his artwork. That's the original. Mm-hmm. He then set fire to this picture he made of an auction. <laughs> then he sold the digital token, the NFT, representing the artwork <laughs> that he just burned. <laughs> no, or the, the, the art, wait, wait, the artwork or the video of him destroying the artwork? No, the video is, forget the video, that's on YouTube. I mean, ah. no. Nah, yeah, so again, coming back to the point that the, the artwork's not attached to the token, he fil- he made the video. There's a guy, like looks like a ninja, but he's got a he's wearing a Banksy shirt, so he's obviously works for Banksy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not security camera footage from Banksy's house. <laughs> Someone's just broken in and burnt Banksy's artwork. So the guy the guy sets fire to the artwork. 
Then Banksy sells an NFT, a digital token, representing the artwork of the auction that he just burned for $380,000. <laughs> the artwork... The artwork has been the artwork has been destroyed. The artwork's and, been destroyed, and, and someone's but, paying three hundred and eighty thousand dollars for the ownership certificate. Yeah, oh. and people. The, uh, do you know what the artwork was called? This was the funny thing. What was it called? The artwork was titled "Morons." <laughs> 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 it was a screen print of of a, a Christie's auctioneer pointing at a framed painting in a crowded auction room, titled "Morons." <laughs> And he's burnt it and sold the token <laughs> for nearly 400k. Is he just, like, just like, how far can I push this? How, yeah. Like, at what point am I, are people finally going to realise I'm just taking the piss? Oh, I think so. Wow. I think he's made his money. Although some people are saying Banksy did it because he, he needed some money, but I, I don't know. It must be more to this story, but I, I trust, I trust your, your Googling. You're an expert at it. <laughs> <laughs> I can Google. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I've, I've, been, I've been fascinated more so in the technological side of it. I, you know, you know I me. Mean, I like my technology. Mm. I just didn't. I, I was just keen to understand the sort of really that relationship between the artwork and the token, which I found fascinating. Mm. I, I just I felt like it had to. They had to be inextricably linked somehow, but mm. I couldn't work out how. And the more I kind of went down the rabbit hole, the more it's become kind of clear that. I don't think they are linked. Again, wow. stand to be corrected. Happy to be corrected because I really want to understand what's going on. But I don't think they're linked. I think you'd get a token and that's all you get. And the artwork wow. is just a digital, it's a JPEG that you share around or an MP3 file or a, a MP4 file or whatever it is. Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the things that's like interesting about the, the cryptonomics of like, like you talk about like Bitcoin being scarce, like this unlimited supply Mm. And that's what sort of drives its value. And so, and it's the same argument for gold, like it's a limited supply and that's what it's a precious metal. There's not many of it around and that's what that was, make, mm. makes it valuable. But it's all, all these things are pretty fluid, like scarcity can be manufactured. It's kind of what's happening with these tokens. It's like you're, you're manufacturing scarcity. Yeah, it's exactly what's really, happening. Yeah. But it's like it's it seems pretty e- e- ephemeral to ephemeral mm. to me. It's like yeah, it's exactly what they're doing. They're manufacturing scarcity. The thing I don't get is like I, I get this whole non fungible token thing, but in the trading card sense, the digital trading card sense, they're talking about being able to mint like five. Like I, I thought the whole thing, the whole point was that they were unique. But I don't know. Maybe they mint five unique tokens that all have the same metadata. Mm. So those like those artist prints you can buy where they they do a limited run. So it's a print, it's a, or a photo, and that in the corner it's like three of sixty or something. So you know you're getting a limited print edition. Yeah, but who buys those? That's people people me. do. People do a limited print. Print. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Mum's got one on her wall that's worth fifteen grand. What? She found, she found it at an op shop. <laughs> Some, really? That, yeah, that bird painting. It's I like some go, fam- I might famous. Go, yeah. I might go burn it and sell it as an <laughs> NFT. <laughs> <laughs> you totally should. That would uh, be funny. <laughs> Film it. 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to burn your painting, Mum. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, all right. I reckon that that needs. We need to wrap it up. I think we sort of meandered through that long enough. And uh, if people are still listening at the end of this show, we appreciate you staying with us. Um, hopefully, by the, that's by the non fungible token of this episode. Well, yeah, we could do at, that. We could. I might mint it. At Ninety thousand. I might. That's a good idea. I'm going to mint. I'm going to mint because oh, I don't yeah. think it costs any money. I'm going to mint an NFT of this episode. Yeah, great. Can you do that over the next couple of weeks and we'll check in, see how it went? Auction it off. I don't know where I'm going to host it yet. (laughs) We don't 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 even have a dedicated socials page for this podcast. I'm not sure how we're going to go minting an NFT for for one episode. But we're going to give it a go. If, If we run into any barriers such as it costs more than five bucks, then I'm out. I'm not doing it. And then maybe we can auction it up. We'll we'll come back with a link on, I don't know, where do you auction them? eBay? Has anyone auctioned an NFT on eBay yet? We could be the first, first to auction wow. an NFT on eBay. Oh, we're giving away pod- all these good ideas. First podcast to auction on eBay. <laughs> Genius. That's, that's good. I like it. All right. That does us for NFTs. Feel free to email us in, clarify anything that we've said. Are we absolutely crazy or not? I'm not sure. Thanks for tuning in. Um, equitymates.com forward slash CVE or email us CVE at equitymates.com. Don't forget to go and check out all the other great shows on Equity Mates Media, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, Meet, Pay, Love, uh, Get Started Investing. They're all there. Uh, go and get your ears around them. And we'll talk to you next week. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, but you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. 
Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.